Hi, today on Compose Living with Elsa Elbert, that's me. We have Kelly Christopher in the studio, studio slash also Chad's home office. It's not as professional as I'm making that sound. <laughs> Kelly moved to Los Angeles from Pennsylvania decades ago to break into the Hollywood scene, as so many people do. Between auditions and other gigs, she landed a part-time job at a law firm, which turned into a 19-year-long career. In 2018, she was selected to be a solar system ambassador for NASA, allowing her to engage with the public about space and science missions. Currently, she's creating an online academy and community around helping people pleasers overcome obstacles so they are able to pursue their own goals and not sit on the sidelines of life. I can't wait to dive into our conversation and learn more about how she creates the space for a thriving career and to participate so fully in activities she is passionate about as well. Welcome, Kelly. Thank you so much for being our guest today. You're here. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. It's good to be here. It's so fun to have you here. I think you're one of the few people who's been here in person who saw our last house and now gets to take like the first tour of this home post-renovation. Oh, <laughs> so. I'm honored. Thank you. It's beautiful. I mean, the other house was beautiful, but this is equally beautiful, if not more grand. It is definitely, yeah, it has more space for our family, that's for sure. Anyway, it's so nice to have you here. Thank you, it's good to be here. So, we usually kick off every episode just asking what composed living means to each guest. For me, and I know that you know this so well because we've worked together throughout the years, but really it's about so much more than just organizing and is you know, about setting up your home and your surroundings and your life in a way that allows you to, you know, for lack of a better phrase, like create your best life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, I believe in using those organizational tools to really do that. Like I use them to structure my, my days, my weeks, my months in a way that is, you know, hopefully by the end of my lifetime has set me up for a beautiful life more than just the home. Obviously, the house is very important. Mm -hmm. So if I asked you what composed living means to you, what would it be? Hmm. I guess the first thing that pops into my head would be organized chaos. Mm. Because um, I don't know one person that's not not busy. Yeah. And as you have seen in my space for a very long time, there was no rhyme or reason to it at all. And a lot of times that can translate to having a very cluttered mind. And if they're, everybody's going to have some sort of chaos going on in their life. So if there's some sort of organization to that, I think that really can be a definition of compose. Mm -hmm. If you take all that chaos and you have an organizational system with it, then that allows you to exist in the chaos of your normal day-to-day -day life Yeah, in a much more peaceful way. Totally. I think that makes a lot of sense to me. It feels like a more scientific explanation of how I feel about it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, every, and when I hear the word chaos, especially as it, as it is applied to everyone's daily life, I don't take that as necessarily having good or bad attributes, mm -hmm. right? It's just, it's the same as like the word busyness. It's just this thing that exists yeah. that a lot of times is of our own doing, you know, there's, we have yeah. so many interests and passions and friendships and it's like, you want to do 8 billion things before you, before the end of your life, you know, <laughs> and, and it's a lot. And for me, like right now we have so many balls in the air that I find myself staring at my to-do list. And my mind is just like swirling, like mm -hmm. you said. And it's like, I know that in order for me to get anything done, when that moment happens, when I feel like I can't even focus my eyeballs on my to-do list because it's too many things yep. and none of them are the same project, then I'm like, okay, I need to carve out an hour where I can just sit and like refine this. Mm -hmm. And whether that means, you know, taking something off of the list or bumping out due dates or delegating something, I cannot move forward. Yeah. until there's a little bit more organization to that chaos. And then I can really dive in and start making headway. Mm -hmm. So the way you explained it makes a lot of sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, oftentimes we get so consumed with what's going on around us that we forget to, you know, take that pause. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I've really tried to start focusing on for myself. 
um, is the big word, the big buzzword that everybody's talking about are boundaries. Mm. And that is something that I've really pushed to the forefront of my day-to-day life. And it's created such a happier place to have breathing room um, where here, I'll give you an example of that. Because I'm always burning the candle at both ends, and I have been doing that in my entire adult life because I have so many interests and I want to do so many things. So I'm always double and triple booked. Well, I never... Now, maybe this is something that they should teach teenagers growing up in school. Oh my gosh, don't even get me started. There's so many things <laughs> that they should be teaching teenagers. Right. They don't teach... They they just, you know, teenagers grow up and then they're just like thrust out into the world yeah. and they're like, here you go, figure it out. Go nobody be an teach, adult. Yeah, nobody teach you how to be an adult. And s- some of that teaching teenagers to be an adult are, you need to make time to do your laundry. You need to make time to do your dishes. You need to make time to do those day-to-day things that are also a part of your life, not just going off and having fun all the time. And I never, never, I mean, it would, weeks would go by and I'm like, oh, I am out of clean clothes Mm. (laughs) because I never made time for that. And It took me setting boundaries and saying no a lot more often to things um, to create that space, to create that time to be organized. Yeah. Well, and this, I think, is where people talk about organization as a form of self-care almost. Yeah. Where, like, for me, I... I do those chores truly as almost like a form of meditation at Mm -hmm. this point where it's like, I just know myself and I know how my mind will respond if it's not done, right? Like I cannot handle an undone task. (laughs) (laughs) I love that check, that check off your to-do list. Yes. I mean, for better or worse, it's just like, this is my nature. And I understand Mm -hmm. myself enough to know that like, I mean, even you should see the size of our laundry basket and Chad and I share it. It's quite small. And it's intentional because Mm. when that's full, I want to already stay on top of that thing. I don't even want to give myself literally the room to have something that might build up that's then going to create this sort of like, it's the clutter that we don't talk about often enough, but it's the mental clutter where it's like, you may not even be aware of it at all times, but it's there. It's like nagging your subconscious and you'll see it. Every time you go into your closet or every time you go into your kitchen and there's dishes in the sink. And, and so we may not be consciously processing it in those moments, but Mm -hmm. it really does have an impact. Huge. Yeah. So for you to say that you're setting boundaries to give yourself the time to take care of those tasks. I love that. Like that really is such a, it's maybe not the most fun. It's not like a spa day. No, (laughs) it really is. A form of self-care and maybe you reward yourself with a spa day for staying on top of all of these things. It can be therapeutic. And I, I noticed, um, that say I'm really upset or angry about something. Um, I've now started to diffuse my own internal like chatter about being angry about something Mm. into cleaning. Interesting. And so, but I will start, I will get almost obsessive about it. Like, oh, I got to clean like these little cracks around the, the kitchen sink, you know? And, <laughs> and by the time I've gotten my aggression out on that cleaning task, I feel so much better and I have a clean, whatever it is that I was cleaning. So I'm trying to channel it in better ways. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's so good. I'm so impressed by how many things you are, I mean, even in the intro, like we talked about a few things, you obviously had your legal career, you have the NASA ambassadorship, you also volunteer with, um, remind me of the organization, the Assistance League of Los Angeles, that's Mm -hmm. right, the Assistance League of Los Angeles, but also I've seen your house, I know that you also are so crafty, you make costumes, you're an avid fitness person. You're an avid outdoors person. Like I've never seen someone with so many hobbies and it's not like, Oh yeah, I go camping once a year. It's like, you're actively doing all of these things. Yeah. And then also you have like a meditation practice and, uh, you know, there's just so many different, you're a caretaker for somebody else. So many things that like for one person, each of those things could be a full time. I sound tired. <laughs> just listening. <laughs> No, you're right. Yeah. And that's what we work on, you know, it's like creating a balance in your home Mm -hmm. because you've already figured out how to manage all of that in your schedule. So now we're just trying to figure out a way to make all of those things coexist nicely and peacefully inside your physical space. Yeah. 
Uh, which is such a fun challenge, you know? Oh, it definitely has been a challenge. And I, I never would have been able to do it without you. A lot of times people <laughs> think like, oh, organizers are just going to make us throw away all of our stuff. And sometimes, you know, you simply just have to let go of things in order to make space. But I love working with you because it's not, I mean, a little bit of it is yes, like removing some things that you no longer want in your life. Or on some days, I guess it's a lot of it too. But also it is such a fun challenge to be like, okay, here we have a finite amount of space and how are we going to have an office, a bedroom, a gym, storage, yeah, a home gym, a YouTube, a craft making thing, (laughs) a podcasting (laughs) station or a YouTubing station. And then all of the tools associated with like, you know, repairing a home or doing some of these crafts or going camping or car stuff. I mean, it's been such a fun and wild ride. I love it. Oh, it has been. It has been. The space has evolved in such a, such a beautiful way that I actually enjoy being home. And in the past, I've never really been able to say that about my spaces because of the chaos that I was actively, but unconsciously creating. Yeah. And so now it's a joy to actually be at home. And it really helped being home during the pandemic because, Mm. you know, when everybody, you know, transitioned to work, work from home, I never thought I would like working from home. I was always on the go and I like being around people and very social. So being in an office environment was really great for me. And then having to transition to that when you're only in your space, Mm -hmm. um, it really is. And so now it's, we've, we've done such a wonderful job at my place that I'd never want to leave. Yay. <laughs> I mean, you know, With to some reason. extent. Yay. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, still leave your house and find community. Yes, yes. No, I am definitely. But also that that was also a psychological thing too, because as I said a little while ago, um, burning the candle at both ends for so many years, the pandemic really forced me to stop. Yeah. And reevaluate everything. Um, now that the world is open back up and, and everybody's getting back to whatever it is that they now do or were doing in the past, it's allowed me to just sit and figure out because, you know, life is short that everything I choose on a day-to-day basis has to, I have to, it has to benefit me in more than one way. And a lot of it has to be comforting to me or allowing me to grow as a person. So I keep telling my friends when I do leave the house (laughs) that if I've put clothes on, left the house, got in my car, got into traffic here in Los Angeles to see you in person, you know, I love you. So I'm being a lot more um, careful with how I spend my time because I now have boundaries. I now have built in time where I have to take care of the things in my own space for my own self-care. And I never, I mean, what 20 year old is thinking about that. They're just trying to live life. They're just trying to finally, you know, start to make an impact if that's what they care about, you know, in the world, because now they're young adults. So it just really took a lot. Sorry, pandemic for that. Almost like the brick to the head. Yeah. Like you need to reevaluate everything because you know, you don't spring chicken anymore, Kelly. It's such a good reminder too. I mean, we have Chad and I have two well, soon to be two teenagers. This month we'll have 13-year-old will be the youngest one, which is Ooh, wild. For 13. Um, and soon to be 15. And it's just such a good reminder, I think, as parents to be like, this is truly a part of the education to give your kids now mm-hmm. before they go out into the world. Like balance, And they actually intuitively do a really good job of balancing friendships and work and homework and, and play and all of that stuff. Uh, Great parenting already then. Yeah. Or it's just there. It's in their nature. (laughs) Um, But I'll take it. I'll take that as a win. Yep. But yeah, I think also the last piece, and it's like, you know, I also don't know that many teenagers who are like super amped on cleaning their room, but making sure that they carve out time and understand the timing of things. I can't Mm -hmm. tell you how many times we've talked to the little one about laundry and the concept that like laundry can be done while you're doing something else. Like he doesn't get, he just like, he's like, well, I don't have time to do laundry. I'm like, well... I mean, you can do whatever you are doing, but all you're literally doing is like starting the machine and then you have 30 minutes <laughs> like, right. or you put it in the dryer and then you have, you know, until you take things out again. Yeah. Uh, so just teaching him about like managing his time in those ways mm-hmm. of like, well, he's like, well, I'm in the middle of a video game. We're like, okay, well you can pause it and then you'll be back in one minute, literally. Yeah. <laughs> That's what pause is for. Great. But yeah, so great reminder to figure out all of those those things. I saw the funniest meme the other day on Instagram, my 5 a.m. scrolling hour. 
And God, what was it? It was like a conversation between a student and like a school, you know, Mm -hmm. and the student is like, how do I do my taxes? And they're like, don't worry about it. Run a mile. Or it's like, but how do I like do this other thing? That's like a super adult thing that we're going to have to do always. And they're like, disregard, like, (laughs) let me teach you something else that you're never going to use in your entire life. Yeah. And I was cracking up. Obviously, school teaches you quite a lot about how to move forward in the world. Yeah. And I'm so thankful for the education that I've had over the years. But man, would it have been nice for somebody to teach me how to file my own taxes or, you know, like do an oil change or even like, I mean, I remember as a 16 year old, I'm very fortunate. My parents were extremely hands on with like the life skills. Mm. So even as like an eight year old child, my dad would have us like balance his checkbook, you know, and now I'm dating myself because I'm sure half the people listening to this have never seen a checkbook. It was a checkbook. (laughs) Or don't realize that you used to have to balance them to figure out how much money you had. (laughs) Is that what Venmo was like before? (laughs) Well, you didn't have, there was no internet. So you didn't know how much money you had in the bank. You literally had to write it down with a pencil. Yeah. Uh, But I loved this task. And if he went to the ATM, it was like, you know, that was our job was, okay, you go to the ATM and you figure out how to take out money and do all of those things. So we learned these like seemingly trivial life skills. But now I'm so grateful for them because when I was an adult and moved out, I actually was not even an adult. I was 16 when I moved out of our house. Mm -hmm. So I was living on my own and I knew how to put gas in my car and I knew how to check the oil and I knew how to refill it if it needed some, like these little things like checking the air in your tire. Right. But I remember when we were teenagers in high school and one of my girlfriends whose parents were not as hands on, Mm -hmm. they just gave her a car and the keys. She was like that girl in high school, you know, like she was so beautiful and like athletic. Everyone loved her. And she was like well off and just like had this, like the car everybody wanted, you know, the Toyota Celica of the nineties. Oh yeah. (laughs) So hot. I remember a good Celica. Uh (laughs) And she went to a gas station and she put diesel in it because she had literally no one ever taught her. How far did she get before the engine just was like in a car? And I was like, what? I don't even understand how that happens. (laughs) Right. Anyway, it's the small, the small things in life. (laughs) Everybody's perspective is definitely different. Oh my God. I feel so bad. So sorry, Celica. (laughs) Oh God, I wanted that car so bad. And it's funny. I'm like not even a car person, but whatever. This car I bought when I was 17 years old is still sitting in our driveway. Is it really? Mm-hmm. It's Lillian's <gasps> car now. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, I love to hold. See, I love to hold on to things as well, too. I've never been a person that, you know, would just get something that was trendy. This is this is how I follow trends. Two to three years after the trend is completely over. <laughs> then I'm into it. Yeah. A few times I've tried to do something trendy while the trend was happening. And the moment I did whatever it was, piece of clothing or hairstyle or something, I immediately felt like I wasn't myself. That mm. I was just trying to fit into a mold. Mm-hmm. And one thing about Kelly is she has never fit into anybody else's mold. That's for sure. To the detriment of my parents. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the trends. I think even with like electronics, I'm such a late adopter. Mm-hmm. Now I've just acknowledged it as like, I'm going to let the rest of the world figure out all the kinks in this situation. And when it's confirmed that we are all collectively moving in this direction, yeah. then I will hop on board. Yeah. <laughs> Then there's no other option. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And then with fashion and all of that, I mean, I'm just, it's just not for me. Like I can't keep up. It's also like not a huge passion of mine. I think some people do such a beautiful job of like, that's their form of expression. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess also that is my form of expression, but I'm a much more minimalist person. So that's how I am expressing myself in my uniform of things that are black and white. (laughs) Yeah. I'm trying to simple things down too. Yeah. Cause it, it was just... I mean, as a kid growing up, my mom's like, what's your favorite color? And I'm like, plaid. All the colors. All the colors. Rainbows. I can't pick one. You're putting me in a box if I pick one. Nobody ever guesses my favorite color. What would you guess? It's like, how would you even know? You yeah. Know? How would I know? I don't how would know. You know. Just what do you, what do you think, Adriana? <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like you wear a lot of black and white. It's not. Those are. Um, <laughs> green? No, but I love, I mean, I love all the colors. <laughs> I was, my initial instinct was going to say uh, some form of yellow, but mm. Mm, oh, I used to it? hate yellow. Now it's grown on me. Mm. Lavender. Really? Yeah. Anything in the purple fam. It's such love a calming it. color. I mean, yeah. like in the lavender specifically. It's so beautiful, mm-hmm. but also like sterling roses. Gorgeous. One of mm. my favorite flowers. 
uh, the lavender plant itself, the scent, all of it. I'm very into it. Yeah, the purples and the lavender. But lavenders. I truly, I don't think I own anything purple, like clothes-wise. And that's good. You can yeah. you can enjoy it in another form, but yeah. you don't have to be blanketed with it yeah. and everything around you being that color. We do have a lot of amethyst crystals, I guess. I just popped one in our refrigerator the other day. <laughs> oh, I love crystals. Somebody told me that it encourages healthy eating habits to have an amethyst in your fridge. So whether or not it's true, my mind is now convinced that it is. And it's a visual reminder every time I open the door. Plus, it's pretty. It's all, it's all energy. Yeah. So when we do my kitchen next, don't be surprised. <laughs> You'll see a whole shelf with amethyst crystals. That's my birthstone too. So. Oh, Perfect. really? What mm-hmm. month is February? May? February. On to the next question. If there was a word or a feeling or something that you wanted to feel or experience this year or like something that you're working towards, what would that word? Clarity. Yeah, I picked that at the end of end of last year for 2023. Um, One of my business coaches, uh, she always you know, everybody's doing, you know, um, you know, New Year's resolutions. But what I've started doing is I pick a word that I want to represent the year. So this is probably like the second or third year I've done that. So definitely clarity. And again, going back to the pandemic, um, I needed to really start to simplify and create this clarity around what it is I wanted to spend my energy and time Mm. moving forward. Because, um, because I do have so many interests, I can get very watered down with doing a little here, a little here, a little here, a little here. But when you get to a certain point in your life, you have to, you have to think, you know, okay, so I've put in all this time and energy. What do I have to show for it? Not necessarily to be flashy and show off to everybody else. Like, oh, look at me. I have X, Y, Z, but something that's going to, um, give you a sense of peace or happiness. And because I have so many different interests, the NASA thing, the legal thing, you know, I'm also, you know, an actress in Hollywood. Um, you know, it's, it's, it can split you off into a lot of different areas. And when I look back at all the decisions that I've made, um, I want there to be more simplicity and more thought in how I approach everything moving forward. I've done the chaotic thing. I've done the burning the candle at both ends for so long. And now I want to simplify. I want there to be more clarity in my intentions in all avenues. I want to be intentional with my skincare because, you know, as your skin ages, Mm -hmm. you have to be more aware of that. I want to be more intentional in how I want to look and feel in my own skin. You know, just all of those things can add up to a much happier, simpler life that you have breathing room and you can look back and you go, you can lay your head down on your pillow at the end of the day and go, all right, I was intentional with the clarification of what I chose to do today. So clarity for you, the way I'm understanding it is also very closely aligned with boundaries. Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. Um, Because when you set boundaries, um, being a people pleaser, recovering people pleaser that I am. Um, you know, that term really, a lot of people don't, hadn't, haven't used it for many years and now starting to really come out. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of reasons why, you know, us people pleasers operate the way we do. And usually it comes from, you know, you want to make the other person happy. And a lot of it starts with, um, childhood and how, you know, who the people you had around you and whether or not you felt you needed, whether you needed to feel safe. So you were, you know, you know, very accommodating to everybody else around you. And a lot of times that also as an adult, that will dictate what your self-worth is. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I had just been operating every, every aspect of my life by pleasing other people. And eventually that can wear you down. And a lot of people aren't aware of that. And then they wonder why, oh, why am I, you know, why have I put what I want to do on the back burners? Because I'm trying to please everybody else around you. And it really was a wake up call at work when I had been at my company for so many years. And, you know, all of these lovely new people right out of college were coming in. And, and if we had to, you know, everybody had to drop what you were doing and start working on a really important emergency project, you know, they were given a choice of like, oh, no, I can't do it. I'm sorry. I have something I have to go do. Whereas I was always, I just immediately said yes. Mm-hmm. I canceled family vacations because of what was going on at work. And I really started to resent doing that, that I was putting everybody else first. And that wasn't fair to me. And really when I studied with um, 
you know, uh, coaches, I, I started to realize that I was worth setting those boundaries. I was worth saying no because of something that I needed to do. And that's a very scary place to a realize that that's how you're operating and B trying to figure out and navigate your way out of that. Cause it's definitely, um, mindsets that are ingrained in you. Like I said, from a small age, usually. So my boundaries and that clarity really started to shift being a people pleaser. And a lot of times when you start setting boundaries with other people, especially your loved ones, they're, they're not necessarily going to take it very, very well. Mm-hmm. So um, that's why it's it's something that I really started to dive into, dig into, um, because I realized, you know, my self-worth and I want other people to realize their self-worth too, if they feel like that they're suffering from the same thing. Because there are a lot of things in my life that I put on the back burner to do yes, say yes to everybody else and to everything else. Yeah. Um, so that's been a really huge evolution for myself. I think also this is something that culturally and generationally, All right. <laughs> is that a word? What's your name? Is ingrained in so many people, particularly women. Yeah. Uh, and then even like within the women group, like also I think so specifically with moms, And I think like from the generation prior to mine, maybe seeping into mine, you know, Mm -hmm. where it's like women were expected to put all of their hopes and dreams aside and stay home to be a wife and a mom. Uh, And so you, even if you wanted to have a career or you had aspirations of, you know, traveling the world or doing these things, we put so many systems in place that said, no, you can't do that. You have to spend your life taking care of other people instead. And that's difficult to unlearn, you know, when it's our whole society (laughs) has like bought into this ideal. And then like, you know, through the decades, we're slowly starting to unwind some of that. Mm -hmm. It comes into, you know, now like, you know, obviously you can have a job and you do, and you have a beautiful career, but we still have that piece of us that is okay well now that I'm I've committed to this thing this is my responsibility so what my wants and needs are come second to that thing yeah and I'm so glad that we're living in a time period where we are unwinding that yeah thought process and Mm -hmm. I don't see that at all in my kids (laughs) I don't know (laughs) if it's an age thing or if just like the next generation has already learned this for themselves But really, it is as important, if not more important, that you're pursuing the things that are, you know, on your soul's desires and what's on your heart. And that's what's going to make a happy life. And most of the time, that also contributes to a successful life and whatever we define success for yourself. Um, I definitely remember, you know, sometimes early in my career where it felt like that was the most important thing. Yeah. I had just been hired for one of my favorite jobs ever. I worked for a massage facility in Washington state. Washington is different because massage therapists are licensed like, um, like how a physical therapist would be. It's like a medical practitioner. Okay. So they accept health insurance and it's like more of a clinical setting than a day spa setting. So I was working as the clinic administrator there, but I had been hired as a part-time reception Mm -hmm. and I showed up for work and I had never met the owner. I didn't really know anyone other than like the woman who had hired me. And then she like showed up and gave me keys one day so I could open and close. And then I just like never heard from her again. And so I had been working there for maybe like a week And I was 23 years old, maybe do some reverse math there, 23, 24. And then we were open for 12 hours a day. I had the first six hour shift and the person who was supposed to come in next just didn't show up. And so then I'm looking around and I'm like, well, there's going to be patients checking in. Like they have to pay or like bill insurance, like all of these things. I can't just leave. Right. I can't just leave. Yeah. Certainly I could have. It didn't even dawn on me that I could though, because I was like, this is my responsibility. Yeah. So I stayed for a 13 hour day. Mm. And then the next day, the same thing happened and I'm calling the manager. I'm calling other people, nothing. And like, I'm so new to this company. So I just did it. Right. I just started working 12 hour days because I didn't know what else to do or that I even had another option. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And then one day the owner walked in and like introduced himself and I was like, I mean, what is going on? Hello. <laughs> right. What kind of operation are you running here? Uh, 
No, he's one. He was like truly one of the most remarkable leaders I've ever had the pleasure of working with. I still adore him so much to this day. But we got to know each other in that set, like, you know, very early on to me working there. Mm -hmm. And then I stayed there for almost five years. So I went from that to office manager to clinic administrator. And and I loved it. And he was so supportive when I wanted to go back to graduate school. But this is where I started to learn that, you know, it's not... I'm not required to do these things, you know, and there is the opportunity for you to balance in the things that you want to be doing too. You know, when you have your boss saying like, absolutely go to graduate school. Yes. Like let's change your hours to whatever is going to accommodate that schedule. And, you know, this is such a great opportunity for you to enhance your skills and like start your career. I was like, whoa, this is, we're not talking about like, money or success or what I'm going to do for your business or this corporation, you Mm -hmm. know, and it really shifted. That's also essentially what I studied in grad school was organizational leadership and how to help people find their path through their career. Like what is going to, what are their skills? What's their innate passion and how do you help them develop that so that they can be successful? Because that truly is like the best way to have a successful business anyway. Yeah. Happy people, you know, whatever. I'm sure there's a saying that goes along with that. Uh, (laughs) But it's so nice to see, I guess that was a very long winded way of saying like, I think everyone at some point, especially in our age group and older has experienced that feeling of it's like, it's, I feel like people pleasing isn't even a strong enough phrase, you know? Yeah. It's mm-hmm. almost like this is a requirement that society has put on you. Right. <laughs> yeah. The way the, the past frameworks have been set up by each generation before us, and that is, it is slowly changing and it takes a support system, uh, a really good support system to have your back. So you have the ability to say, no, that's not, you know, that's not fair to me. And as you're saying, you know, especially being put on women, right? Um, I'm a very outgoing, loud person. I always have been probably came out of the womb singing and dancing. Um, and so, you know, a lot of the things that we hear is, Oh, you know, you're being too loud. Cause my, my family is very conservative. They're very quiet. And then here's this loud child in the family. Um, cause I'm adopted. So <laughs> they had no idea what they were getting. <laughs> and, um, so, you know, I was told a lot of times, you know, Oh, be quiet. You know, you're, you know, you're being too loud. Um, you know, oh, well, you know, and my opinion never mattered in my family. You know, there was never a family meeting of like, okay, this is what's happening. You know, you know, everybody gets a vote, even though the parents really are making the decision. Yeah. But it's, you know, but teaching a child from a young age that their opinion matters, that having them figure out how to form a thought pattern to where they can have an opinion on something. Um, that's very important. And I never got that. So most people, even to this day, you know, ask me, well, what's your opinion on that? And if, if I do have an opinion, I will be terrified to tell anybody about it because mm. you're going to be judged. Um, so it's, it's especially women, you know, growing up being told, you know, you know, oh, you're being too loud. You're being too bossy. You're being too nosy. You're being too this, you know, dumb yourself down because you're, you know, you're going to make that guy you're dating very nervous if you seem smarter than he mm-hmm. is, you know, or, or, uh, you know, making yourself small to accommodate other people's comfort. Yeah. And that can, and it, it just, ha- it happens so subtly, like you were saying, you know, over time, and that just becomes a way you operate. And I am here to tell people that does not have to be that way. No. There are ways of changing those mindsets, those habits, those thought patterns. If that's something you feel like you really want to do, if you feel that, you know, your life has just, as you said in the intro, um, if you're just sitting on the sidelines, which I really came to that realization when I had been, I gave so much for my job. And then I realized I really started to sit on the sidelines of my own life. Yeah. And one thing I've always promised myself that I would never do till the day I die is regret the decisions that I have made in the past. And That's huge. yeah. And you know, I was so afraid again, uh, uh, making me a people pleaser is I was always afraid to disappoint, disappoint my parents. So I was always trying to be the good girl, the perfect girl. And I had, most people have, you know, a midlife crisis. I had a quarter life crisis when I turned 25 because I felt like I had to make the perfect decision in every aspect of my life and not make any mistake. Like I was going to plan out my entire life. You know, I was going to get married by this time, have children by this time, have a career by this time. 
No, spoiler alert, nothing's happened yet like that. That's um, so much pressure. It is. Especially at and that I put it stage. on myself because of how, you know, my upbringing, you know, I didn't never, I never wanted my father to yell at me about anything. Um, he's a loving person, but his bark, whew, it was tough. So, you know, that was a real eye opening time for me. And I'll be the first person to tell you now at this point, it's okay to make mistakes. There really, really aren't mistakes. You either learn the lesson or you were successful at whatever you were trying. So everybody should never be worried about, Oh, is that the right decision? Is that the right decision? Cause that can just put you into a tailspin. And then what you end up doing is putting yourself on the sidelines. Like I did, Mm -hmm. because I was afraid of making, you know, moving to California was a huge decision for, for me. And I was so determined to get here that everything came secondary family, boyfriends, you name it. And I didn't care who said what I was going to go and do it. Um, and I made a promise to myself, I would never regret that decision. And I don't, I, I love living out here. Yeah. It's tough being away from family, but I go back often to visit, but I'm was so afraid of making those mistakes. Like, Oh, should I, should I leave my job? I mean, I've been there forever now because I was terrified to leave. Yeah. And, but now I'm coming to the point of, well, there's so much more to experience in the world. And I don't, I don't want to miss a moment of it, but you know, having, having that new, or having that press that pressure taken off of myself that I don't have to worry about, oh, I'm gonna go try this and oh it failed. Well at least I tried it. Yeah. At least I moved to California. I didn't, you know, I, I didn't want to ever regret not trying it. Yeah. So I think that's a really huge, you know, life lesson in that, you know, having the clarity is going back to what we were talking about, having that clarity of you know, it's okay to make mistakes. It's, it's okay to try something and keep doing it because with all the sports and awards that I won growing up, you know, practice really does make perfect. So the longer you try at something, yeah, everybody sucks when they start something. It's, it's absolutely impossible not to suck at something you try for the very first time. Well, you know, if a little baby walks for the first time and they fall down, are they just going to yeah. lay on the floor for the rest of their life? No, you got to keep doing it. And that, that translates to every single thing that we try to do, cooking, dating, swimming. I mean, you name it. My dad used to tell us that there will always be someone better than you at this thing. Yeah. And there will always be someone less talented right. than you at this thing. Yeah. So it truly, it's like that I think has relieved so much pressure from me from ever feeling the need for things to be perfect. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, even if I became like the greatest fill in the blank of all Mm. time, someone eventually will come on and do it better. Right. right? And then there will also be people who don't have that skill set. And so it's really, it's just like, it's not a competition. It doesn't really matter if you're, you know, super successful in the beginning or or if you pivot and change direction altogether. Right. I think there's so many decisions in life that we treat as though they are completely final. Once I make this choice, there's no going back. So it has to work. It's like, it's such a false sense of, of this crazy amount of pressure. Yeah. Where truly it's like, you could have just moved to California. And then if you didn't like it, guess what? You get to go home. You can move back or you could move somewhere else. Yeah. (laughs) Right. If you date someone and it doesn't work out, that's okay. Because, you know, there's just one person out of 8 billion people on the planet. Yeah. That's like your person. Yeah. So why it's like so much pressure to be like, oh my gosh, well, I didn't find my human by the time I was 25. It's like, okay, I mean, I didn't meet Chad until I was a lot older than that. Yeah. And I'm happy I did when I did. And hopefully that means we have, you know, a hundred years together, however long people are going to live. (laughs) Isn't the the phrase, um, you know, there's uh, nothing is permanent except for death and taxes. Mm -hmm. Or or what was the phrase? Something like that, right? Nothing is guaranteed. Yeah, that's it. Except for those two things, right? (laughs) Those are, (laughs) those are definitely two things. Yeah. Um, You said something about making yourself small to make other people feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. I think that's such a powerful thing to like really let people sit with because it does come up, I think, often in life, like these opportunities to do what you want and what's on your heart or an opportunity yeah. to make yourself small to make other people feel comfortable. Yeah. And it's just, in my opinion, like what a terrible way to live life. They feel like you would just regret almost everything yeah. or resentment starts to build or just, you know, a deep sense of unhappiness. I'm like, who, I don't want that for anybody's life. 
but Chad came home the other day with, he'd taken the boys to play pickleball mm. and Lincoln is the one who's like the athlete. He's on the football team and, and all the things. Hayes is obsessed with Lincoln. So, cause he's the, <laughs> the younger, yep. the younger brother. And Hayes is naturally very gifted at racket sports, like tennis, even at golf. Like he just picks it up and just, he's so natural at it. Okay. And hopefully the kids never listen to this. I would say better than Lincoln Ooh. at these, at oh, these no. particular sports. Yeah. Um, Lincoln has a million things where he really excels, mm-hmm. but this is like one area where the younger brother is, you know, has more of a natural talent than the older brother. And Chad came home and he said, Hayes started playing worse because he saw how frustrated Lincoln was getting that he was beating him. And I looked at him and I said exactly that. I said, don't ever make yourself small to make somebody else feel better about who they are. Nice. And, you know, because that's like, it's first of all, how sweet. <laughs> like he right. really does love <laughs> his older brother. But you know, like you can't, if that becomes a pattern and then you go through the rest of your life, finding these moments where it's like, here's someone I care about or someone who's in a position of authority and they seem uncomfortable at my thriving in this area, then you're just going to stop thriving throughout your whole life. Right. Yeah. It, it, it starts a cycle that most, most people don't realize are happening. And a lot of times when we're people pleasing, um, you know, not to get scientific, uh, but you know, you get that dopamine hit when someone's like, Oh, you're amazing. Good job. And over and over and over and over, you keep wanting those small dopamine yeah. hits. Right. So it becomes an addiction. It's and literally how we train animals. Right. You know, right, with little <laughs> treats like, yeah. Oh, you just spin, spin, spin. Oh, good puppy. Yeah. Right. Um, and so that's, that's a, another reason why, you know, biologically, you know, we can fall into those patterns or cycles. Um, but that's so sweet that he, I know. When you look up to an older Cute, sibling, I looked up to my don't. sister. I, I thought she was the greatest thing because she was like the fashion plate. She was the popular one. She was gorgeous, beautiful blue eyes, beautiful hair. And it just, she had like these cool friends. I wanted, I, I wanted to do everything that she, she wanted to like do. I, and she was like, will you get this annoying girl away from, like, <laughs> I was the annoying little sister, right? What's the age difference between the two of you? Five years. Interesting. And, uh, you know, back in the eighties, yeah. <laughs> um, she had the feather hair. And the Jordache jeans. Um, but I just thought she was, and she wanted basically nothing to do with me. Because I was like the loud, you yeah. know. Yeah. Also that sister. five year gap is like quite significant at certain times in childhood. Like, mm-hmm. you know, where one of you has moved into high school and the other might be finishing like elementary school still. You yeah. know, it's like such a vast difference yeah. in what's going on. Uh, I mean, I wanted to do all of the same things that my older brother was doing, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, I wanted to hang out with his friends. I wanted to go to their parties, all <laughs> the, all the things. Yeah. Um, you know, and then same, my younger brother would, he was just the little troublemaker. Like he'd be the little pest that like shows up everywhere. Yeah. 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 And she <laughs> was the black sheep of the family. Trouble and he like rats you out to the parents, yep. you know? <laughs> oh yeah. That rivalry going on. Oh yeah. I remember, um, she's probably gonna, if she ever listens to this, I'm so sorry. I'm telling the story. Uh, so, you know, my family was very upset that I moved to California and, you know, my sister and I got closer as we got, we became adults. Um, I was 21, 22 when I moved here and, so she was, you know, she was really upset that I was leaving. So we decided to do a secret photo shoot for my parents or our parents, um, the day before I got on the plane and I have really sensitive hearing and, you know, she's blown her hearing out, you know, loud concerts and music over the years. So we used to fight in the car about, you know, how loud the music was when it was just the two of us. Cause she felt like I'm the older sister. I'm in charge of the stereo. And I'd yeah. be like, but my poor little ears are bleeding. So we would fight, you know, louder, you know, softer. And so on the way to this photo shoot, you know, our hair is all done and makeup and stuff. We're at a stoplight and, you know, we're fighting over this. And it really was, we, we started, we got into a fist fight at the stoplight because what it really was, it was the emotion of her, you know, losing a sister basically, because I was moving all the way across the country. And so, you know, we had to like clear up our tears and everything else by the time we got to the shoot. But every time I see that picture, I will, I remember that, you know, that day before of, um, that emotion. Mm-hmm. And that was how it was coming out because she was like, Oh, you're my little sister and I love you. You're my best friend. And, and I, and sometimes I still have like that childhood yeah. trauma scar of like, you didn't want to do have anything to do with me. What are you talking about? Right. But I know I love her dearly and, you know, and, and she's, she's a, you know, I'm very close with my sister and, but 
it's it's just that aspect of that emotion and um seeing in her what I thought I wanted to be as well too because you have to go mm-hmm. by those role models right and my yeah. mom was so conservative that and I clearly was not and neither was my sister and her being the black sheep of the family like she snuck out to go roller skating with her friends like I thought she was like yeah like a badass um and but I was the exact opposite I wanted to be like the perfect little good catholic girl to my parents because yeah. I saw what happened when she was sneaking out and yeah smoking and doing all that stuff so um that really probably was early start of I want to be perfect I want to be you know just like her even though she's not perfect but I got praised for being the perfect one where she got yelled at all the time I'm like racking my brain trying to think if I viewed somebody as a role model in my childhood Mm. I don't think so is that weird no does everybody feel like they've I don't know we need to do like a poll. If you're listening be a to teacher. this, please write in the comments if you had a role model or not as a child. I think I looked to, uh, I mean, I'm quite different from both of my siblings. And I think now I very much, you know, have a different relationship with them. Like, especially with my younger brother, Anton, I, uh, you know, I'm constantly learning from him and look to him for guidance on you know how to just be a better human yeah and I'm so grateful for that but as a child I was rebellious but it wasn't because I wanted to break rules Mm -hmm. it was because I felt like I was living in a box that wasn't mine yeah Um, oh yeah like I was surrounded by rules that made no sense for who I was as a person like I never wanted to be someone who was like in trouble it's like you know I was a typical teenager, I think in a lot of ways, but I felt so constrained by like, it was like, this isn't my life. Right. And it led to so many problems through childhood and adolescence and into my twenties where it was just like, when you always have that feeling of like, this isn't, this just isn't for me. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't understand why this is what I have to do every day or like, why am I here? And so looking around me, it wasn't like, I didn't look at my mom and think, you know, this is a role model for my life. She was a stay at home mom. And that wasn't ever my passion. Mm -hmm. I didn't even think really that I would have kids ever. It wasn't something that like I had thought about in the way that so many people do. Uh, Yeah. And then, I mean, I love all of my friends, but you might not have, I don't think a lot of people look at it specifically the term of role model, but um, I mean, cause as you're a kid, as you get older, as a teenager, um, you can take influence from a lot of different yeah. aspects because you're trying to figure out who you are, who you are. in yeah. general, right? So you may like an aspect from this person, you make like an aspect from that person. So if if you feel you don't have a specific person that that was yeah. for you, it could have been you were taking it from different areas. I think for me it was books. Yeah. Oh, like yeah. either mm-hmm. authors themselves uh, or the stories that they wrote. And mm-hmm. I was an avid reader. I still am to this day. Uh, but even somewhat like it was freedom was mm. what I wanted. Yeah. And so I became obsessed with people like Jim Morrison or Jack Kerouac. Yeah. These people who like in their time, I mean, especially like reading on the road as a teenager yeah. who is craving independence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like here's the story of somebody going out and like just exploring for the sake of exploring and seeing the world and meeting people and like doing all of these, like it just sounded so free and so ideal to me at yeah. that time. Uh, and I think there's countless other stories that are very similar. And I think that's what, like, I really just dug into those experiences as a way of like living vicariously until I could one day recreate that feeling in a way that made sense for me. I'm not going to like, you know, start hopping on train cars and (laughs) drinking like a jug of wine by myself. (laughs) Life's short. Who knows? (laughs) Sure sounded fun at the time. Yeah. Oh man. Clarity and boundaries. So good. What, um, what's happening with the people pleasing platform of community and education? Uh, so are you working with like individual clients? Are you doing more like group sessions? Both? Yeah, I, I, I work with, um, starting to work with, um, individuals, um, oh. first and, you know, I try to create, you know, sort of like a framework for them. First, you have to, you have to, you have to sit with them and identify, you know, what it is that they would like change yeah. for in their life. Um, and then once you can, conf- once you figure out, you know, where they're coming from and they identify where they're coming from, I'm really about people discovering it for themselves. Mm-hmm. I'm just sort of 
like the conduit, the guide, you know, someone to sort of show them up a way. Um, cause a lot of times people don't realize, you know, they, they may not be able to put their finger on what's missing or why they feel stagnant. Um, and so I, I do like to work with people. Um, I like to be inspiring, uh, you know, to try to kind of pull them through that. And so, so my hope and what I'm, what I'm currently trying to create is a community around that for people to feel like they have a space, safe space to go on that own self discovery journey. And I, you know, am try, try to provide tools, um, and guidance and a framework that allow them to do that because everybody's journey is different and everybody yeah. wants to get something different out of it. Um, and they're coming from a different, you know, everybody's from all walks of life and coming from different vantage points. So yeah, I really do want to create a community around that. So it's something we can talk about openly. And uh, I'm in the process of creating like sort of like course, which I have, you know, I like to think very far and ahead and then I have to like scale back Mm -hmm. down. So creating a course um, that will walk people through that, but then also creating this academy where I don't just leave it up to, you know, adults. I want to start, you know, engaging with teenagers. Cool. Where it starts, right? And try to head it off the path. That's like, so great. Um, that's that's the, the the larger vision of it. Um, so that's why I want to create like this, you know, safe space for everybody. Oh my gosh, I think there's so many applications for working with kids and adolescents yeah. in that regard. I mean, this yeah. should just be, you know, it could be a part of their curriculum in middle school and right. high school. You yeah. know, even if it's like. You know, you have one semester of this or even like a workshop, you know? Right. It's yeah. so cool. Mm-hmm. I love that. Good for you. I think it's really incredible that you've taken your own personal experiences and you're translating it into a way of being of service to other people. Yeah. It's the best. And making it a simple, a simple way of doing it too, because it doesn't have to be very complicated. A lot of times we hear, you know, bigger people, you know talk very grandiose about, you know, living a happier life or, you know, just doing this or Mm -hmm. changing your mindset, but how, Mm -hmm. and, um, with being an ambassador for NASA, you know, I do work a lot with kids, but my specialty with that is, um, you know, we have access to the engineers and the scientists at NASA and, you know, they give us all their technical data and jargon about missions and stuff. So my specialty is turning that around because I don't have a, you know, I don't, have a science degree myself, but turning that around and simplifying it. So we, the public can understand and get excited about, you know, that's sort of what we do, you know, as public outreach, um, ambassadors. So, you know, trying to simplify the process of, okay, how can I change my mindset? How can I change, you know, those habits that I have somehow, you know, formed over the years. Um, so I really want to make it a simple process so people aren't overwhelmed with it because we're overwhelmed with everything else in life. Yeah. That's just another way that clarity is coming into your life. Yep. How cool. Definitely. (laughs) That's so awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. I love this conversation. I always love chatting with you. Yes, same. Thank you so much for listening to this conversation with Kelly Christopher. I hope that you get a little bit of clarity for yourself after hearing our conversation. If you want to learn how to work with her as a people pleaser, we will put all of her contact info in the show notes. And like, follow, subscribe, share take this link, copy it, send it to everyone you've ever met in your entire life. And thank you so much for listening. We'll chat next week.